With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today... We're talking my guys, my favorite fantasy football picks. I've routinely been coming away with drafts throughout this entire offseason. You know, I, I've been doing this since freaking February, March. While most people are watching silly things like basketball, baseball, I'm probably an underdog doing a fast draft or something. So whatever, my cross to bear, too obsessed with football, you know, complain to my girlfriend about it, whatever. Today, we're talking about the 10 guys that I just think that you should be prioritizing in your fantasy draft. Now, I'm not ranking the top 10 players. It's too easy. It's just silly. So don't confuse this with guys that I think should be ranked as top 10, top 20 players. More so, these are players that I think are undervalued relative to what the public has perceived. So with that in mind, we will get into the top 10, my guys, ahead of 2021. First off, it's Kirk Cousins. Caveat first seven games of the season. I barked to you guys about this enough already. We just need to realize Kirk Cousins is much better quarterback in real life than a lot of people give him credit for. And when we look at his fantasy production, it hasn't been horrendous since he joined the Vikings in 2018. Fantasy points per game, QB 12, QB 19, and QB 16. Last year, only Aaron Rodgers had more games with at least three passing scores than Kirk Cousins. So again, if you draft Justin Fields or Trey Lance as your QB one, great. You're going to be in an awesome position by the time week 10 comes around. Could be tr- problematic early on if Jimmy G and to a lesser extent Andy Dalton hold on to the job. So get Kirk and then watch as the Vikings face the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Browns, the Lions, the Panthers, and the Cowboys in Kirk's first seven games. Sign me up there. Number two. Saquon Barkley, New York football giants running back. I really believe at full health, Saquon Barkley is the best running back alive. And again, as we've talked about Saquon throughout this offseason, nothing about him medically has gone wrong that's caused his ADP to fall. It's been reports from Jordan Renan, who's doing his best, but let's face it, not exactly the single best beat reporter we've seen in past years in terms of, you know, who's consistently nailing their predictions. And nothing he's saying is, I'm not even saying what he is talking about is or reporting is wrong. All he said is that the Giants have Saquon's long-term interests in mind, as they freaking should. Nobody's asking the Giants to rush Saquon back to recovery. It'd be silly for anyone to report that they're doing so. What I have tried to do is listen to doctors, and one of my favorite ones out out there, Evan Porras over at Fantasy Points. He has three predictive variables that he has studied and determined that are extra successful for guys coming back from an ACL tear. Having high draft capital, freaky athletes have freaky recoveries. Barkley checks that. Being 24 or younger, Barkley is 24 years old. And number three, going through a relatively non-complex injury. I know some people have said his injury is complex. I don't know. My degree is in public policy and finance, and I now talk and write about fantasy football. I could not tell you what a complex knee injury is. I feel like if there's anything included other than an ACL tear, we assume it is complex. According to Edwin, not complex enough for us to really worry about it. So again, if we feel good enough about Barkley's health, 
what are we waiting for with this guy? The amount of second rounds I have gotten Barkley and underdog is nauseating. I almost feel bad when I see him there. Like, believe me, I'll draft him every single time in the second round. But I get mad at everyone for even letting him get to that point. Like, is the fantasy version of Saquon that gets drafted there, like, pissed off as well? I think he should be because everything else, the boxes are checked. We already know, again, one of the best pure runners in the NFL. And in terms of opportunity, and we've talked about this several times in terms of average target being one61 PPR points, average rush attempt being 0.6 over the past decade. Just in terms of raw projected opportunity, if we say Saquon isn't special and just give him the average amount of points for his projected touches, only Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott are projected for more fantasy points. I get it. The Giants' offensive line sucks. It's not like it's been a world-beating unit when he was balling out in 2018 and 2019. Again, PFF's top five run-blocking offensive lines and bottom five run-blocking offensive lines last year each produced four top 24 PPR backs. Draft Saquon Barkley. I have him down as my RB6. Don't let him fall into the second round. Please, people, I will take it as a personal. Just, I'll be pissed. I'll be pissed at you if you don't draft Saquon in the second round if he's available. Hopefully, him coming off the pup, being back at practice, wakes everyone up, or hopefully not. We can keep getting him later than he should be going. Next, my guy. Raheem Mostert, my RB27 going off the board on Underdog Fantasy as the RB31. One of the prime examples of drafting a player at his floor instead of his ceiling. Because Kyle Shanahan, historically, has enabled fantasy-friendly running backs. The problem has been when guys have gotten hurt or he's just had a committee situation and not one. we haven't had one featured guy take over the whole situation. So going through Shanahan's running back history, though, the worst years he's had were 2010 Ryan Terrain finished as the RB 33 after Clinton Portis got injured and 2014 Isaiah Crowell finished as the RB 33 while splitting work with uh, Ben Tate and Terrace West wow there's some there's some throwback names there last three years Matt Breida RB 26 Raheem Mostert RB 26 and Jeff Wilson RB 31 a lot of those having to do with sporadic injuries to Tevin Coleman Breida Mostert himself Jeff Wilson as well it's been muddled but did you hear those numbers people Last three years, RB26, RB26, RB31. Where's Mostert going right now? RB31. In the year 2020, this dude went for 200 plus and four freaking touchdowns in the NFC Championship. You think Kyle Shanahan doesn't care about that? The blind loyalty everyone's showing to Trey Sermon to take over this job immediately is a little bit ridiculous to me. I literally, before I recorded this, read, uh, I think it was from Matt Barrows with the Athletic San Francisco 49ers, talking about some of the good things Sermon's doing. Kyle Shanahan complimented his pass down ability. He was talking about the arm length and all that. And I saw a bunch of people on Twitter hyping up the same article, talking about the good things with Sermon. Nobody mentioned in that same paragraph about Sermon being the 49ers' number two RB, which he is, and that's fine. Maybe he does take over at some point. Everyone's fading Raheem Mostert because he's going to get hurt at some point. That's the best you got. Again, difference between being injury-prone and being already injured. Raheem Mostert, just like last year, is going into the year as the 49ers' RB1, as he should be because the guy is a great running back. So, What's what's where is this with Sermon that we're assuming that he is all these things that Mostert's not? Sermon again, I love the guy. He helped almost lead my Ohio State Buckeyes to another Natty Championship. 
It still took him until the Michigan State game to really break away from Master Teague at Ohio State. And that was after he had to transfer out of Oklahoma. And I'm not saying there weren't some other weird issues going on with that, but it's not like Sermon just has this roaring track record of immediately going into these new situations and taking over. And then let's talk injuries. If you want to go down that road, what do you take? One carry against Alabama before he messed up his shoulder? I just think a lot of the things that people are holding against Mostert, him being 29 years old, him being, you know, allegedly injury prone. There are a lot of things that you can't necessarily quantify when you just look at the fact that he's projected to be the 49ers RB1 this year. That is the biggest number that we should be worrying about. And because of that, Moster is falling behind Sermon and behind a lot of running backs that I just don't think he should. Again, I'm not saying Moster's is top 20 back, but I'm as my RB27. That's not ridiculous. It's in the RB3 range. Where he's going, though, I just think is too far, and I've been happy to scoop him up, particularly in you know builds that are focusing more on the anchor RB or even zero RB if we're feeling reckless. Next running back, another zero RB target, Bills RB, Zach Moss, my RB30, underdog ADP as the RB35. I get it with Josh Allen. The guy has scored 25 freaking rushing touchdowns since coming into the league. Also doesn't have time for boring things like checking down with his, you know, DGAF attitude. Always on display. A little bit less than 2020. I'm just wondering, though. The Bills now have 258 million reasons to maybe not feature Josh quite as often around the goal line. I get it. You can't always take, you know, the YOLO ball out of Josh. With that said, number three behind only Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton and designed rush attempts inside the 10-yard line. And per the athletics, Joe Buscalgia excuse me on that last name, uh, Zach Moss, was the lead running back last year when healthy. And he has the stats to back that up. And according to Joe, he should be the target at his cost in Fantasyland. Once again, we're not drafting him. Look, last year, Devin Singletary at this time was the RB24. If we had to draft Moss as the as a top 24 RB, we wouldn't be doing it. I would tell you, no, we don't have to. He's barely an RB3 at this point. And as bad as things have been in Buffalo with Josh under center in 2020, Singletary was the RB32 in 2019. Singletary was the RB33. 2018, LaShawn McCoy, RB39 in 14 games. So once again, it's not even so much that Moss is, has a special skill set, but his potential and his upside, if he can take over this backfield, far outweighs where he's going in fantasy drafts at the moment. Next player moving on to the wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, we're doing this again. My wide receiver, 21. Odell Beckham as an ADP, as a wide receiver, 27. Are you kidding me? OBJ? You think there's 26 better fantasy wide receivers than Odell Beckham, people? Couldn't be me. I understand Baker Mayfield did a little bit better without OBJ on the field. Did a lot better. Averaged 0.6 more yards per attempt without Beckham on the field. Did you know that's the exact same amount of yards per attempt that Patrick Mahomes has averaged more without Tyreek Hill on the field? Now, would anyone in their right mind ever say Mahomes is better without Tyreek Hill? Of course not. People do this mistake with Baker and OBJ. And if you don't want to take my word for it, go to Brett Coleman's YouTube page. Fantastic stuff, as always, from Brett. And he breaks down specifically the differences in Baker from the first seven weeks compared to the end of the season. The confidence Baker had taking deep shots into play action in the second half of the year compared to the first half. Why was Baker more confident? 
because he didn't have a freaking preseason in the new system. He didn't have hardly any training camp in the messed up COVID year of 2020. So yeah, it makes sense that a quarterback going onto his third system in as many years might take a little bit longer to get ready. Just realize it wasn't that Donovan Peoples-Jones and Kaderil Hodge and Rashard Higgins were bringing out the best in Baker Mayfield. Like, do you understand how insane that sounds? Correlation does not imply causation, people. Get out of my face with the idea the Browns are better without OBJ. But with that said, like, Again, he's just priced at the floor. In 2019, as bad as that went for OBJ, he was a wide receiver 25. Last year, even though he was averaging seven targets per game, which was you know well off his 10, 10 targets per game average he had with the Giants, Beckham in weeks one through six last year was the wide receiver 19. They want to get him the ball. Maybe not 150 targets. Like, I'm not telling you to draft a guy as a top five receiver like we used to, but drafting OBJ as a top 20 receiver, that's something I can get behind, at least top 21, where I have him ranked for those of you keeping score at home. Again, just based on where his underdog ADP is going, uh, give me Beckham 10 times out of 10 in that spot. I am also a massive fan this year of Devontae Smith, my wide receiver 25, underdog ADP, wide receiver 39. I, I'm not thrilled he's hurt right now, but guys, you know, it's an MCL injury. He's expected to be back, and now under two weeks, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, other guys that dealt with injuries in August. Just because someone's a little banged up in August doesn't mean we can't draft them. Is Justin Jefferson going to fall because he's got the sprained A.C. joint? He, he shouldn't. I mean, again, it's not ideal, but it's not, it's not like a guy. It's not like we need to treat every, you know, nick and bruise as a torn ACL and just completely start fading people. Devontae Smith is still the guy we saw take over college football last year. It's not like he didn't play well until his senior year at Alabama. This is a guy that was always performing well, if not better than his multitude of high-end teammates. He just didn't, you know, get the crazy target share that a lot of people look for. Maybe didn't have the early career dominator rating because he's playing at freaking Alabama where they have, you know, multiple first-round picks in their wide receiver room on any given Saturday. So, you know, with Smith, we all know what he's capable of on the field. The knocks are his size, which again, we've never seen him hold him back. And then what? Now we're saying that there's almost 40 wide receivers we'd rather have than the you know projected, no doubt, number one wide receiver in Philly. Couldn't be me. I'm happy to draft Devontae Smith on the early part of the wide receiver, wide receiver three range as opposed to this, again, mid-tier wide receiver four spot. The amount he has dropped since getting this just, again, small, manageable injury, absolutely baffling to me. I'm still going back to well with Smith as, again, an incredibly talented guy that is fully expecting to be the Eagles' number one pass game option. Like, look at more more than just the injury he had in training camp. Every other news about how the dude was making plays and emerging as their lead dog. Draft Devontae Smith. He should be going, you know, much closer to Jamar Chase where he is, and I think that point also stands for my next guy, Jalen Waddle, my wide receiver 32, underdog ADP, wide receiver 47. This is another guy that just is falling because and this is not even an injury. This one's even more ridiculous. Jalen Waddle is falling because of a perceived injury because I believe it was Omar Ruiz noted that in a training camp practice, he was limping. Never mind that we have had Alabama people in the past before he even got injured against Tennessee last year say that his walk is it looks like a limp, but it's not. Before he was injured against Tennessee last year, Jalen Waddle was walking around with this limp that apparently is just his swag. So I am not going to pay attention to one training camp practice where, no, Waddle did not leave early. Like, can you imagine explaining this to someone if you were just like, well, Waddle, I can't get behind him this year. Why? Well, he got hurt out of practice. He did? Well, he didn't miss any time. He didn't actually miss any practice. 
he actually just went for a ball, fell down, took a little while to get up, and then got up and resumed practice. That is why Jalen Waddle is falling right now because training camp news started about 10 days ago and everyone was so starved for more football tidbits that we had situations like that drastically moving ADP. Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, even Devontae Parker, I'm fine with these guys. They are going outside the top 40 wide receivers. I don't see this Dolphins passing game failing to enable at least one top 36 guy, if not top 24, if not even top 12. Number six overall pick. Jalen Waddle, a lot of people were saying before the draft that he was actually the most talented receiver coming out of Alabama this Smith with all due, uh, coming out of Alabama with all due respect to Devontae Smith. So every other training camp report, again, other than this injury that wasn't an injury, has been talking about Waddle twisting people up, the route running, the explosive ability. I am all in on a top six overall pick as the potential number one target in his passing game almost priced as a wide receiver five. I swear, people, if I see Jalen Waddle get out of the top 48, like we might just have to do a top, you know, a media emergency podcast where the entire thing is just telling you to draft Jalen Waddle. Get him at his floor. You won't be able to ever get Jalen Waddle cheaper, barring injury in the future. Next guy, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, Tyler Boyd, who I basically did uh, devote an entire podcast to already just telling you all to draft him he's my wide receiver 24 underdog adp wide receiver 33 it's on the up and up he was actually outside the top 36 not that long ago could not you know i could not give you a good reason why 2018 overall ppr wide receiver 15 wide receiver 19 in ppr points per game 2019 boy was the wide receiver 17 wide receiver 26 in ppr points per game last year before joe burrow got hurt tyler boy was the wide receiver 11 in weeks one through 11 last year his only two duds came in his only two games with fewer than five catches chargers and ravens when burrow just couldn't really handle the pressure so jamar chase coming into town is taking a role completely left behind by aj green apparently isn't doing all that great in training camp and like why is boyd the one getting left behind i I don't even disagree with the idea that Boyd should be the number three receiver on the Bengals. I think he is. I have Chase ranked ahead of him. I have Higgins ranked ahead of him. I just have them right next to each other. I don't understand the disparity between this group of receivers. We see similar things in Carolina with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, San Francisco with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Fantasy football, most of the time, is a game about volume. Tyler Boyd projects to have more of it than everyone other than Higgins in this offense per our PFF projections, and it'd hardly be surprising if he leaps to the front of that unit. So particularly in full point per reception rankings where Boyd's just going to be, again, a five-reception uh, per game player, I've just been so happy to get him in, you know, in that seventh-round range and every single chance uh, that he's available couple tight ends before we get out of here first up saints tight end adam troutman i found a good note i was reading through again some of the athletic stuff just about training camp and i was worried about nick vanette coming here into uh coming here into new orleans nick vanette central ohio guy westerville central shout out but vanette very solid, more of a block for his tight end. And the good note that I found was that Vanette is actually supposed to be more of the inline threat, whereas Troutman will work as their F tight end, which is just the one that moves around more as opposed to being the blocking tight end. People, it was already looking fine for Troutman, even with Michael Thomas there, for him to maybe emerge as a number three option. Without Michael Thomas, there's a non-zero chance that Troutman is the number two pass game option in this offense. 14 touchdowns at Dayton. I know it's Dayton. It's still 14 touchdowns from a tight end. PFF single highest graded run blocking tight end from last year. Like I saw someone on Twitter try to say like him being a great run blocker was like a negative. 
no, 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 people, come on. Adam Troutman is someone that doesn't need to leave the field, and he might have the plus uh, receiving ability to be the prime late-round tight end of 2021. He is my tight end 12. Underdog ADP is getting up there at tight end 14. Again, I, I think you should, and this came in my 10 Tips podcast for your fantasy drafts. If you haven't caught that one, it was uh, published on uh, Tuesday, I believe, today. That I'm recording this. Anyway, my one, my, one of my tips was get Kelsey, Waller, or Kittle if you can. Otherwise, we're avoiding that middle round. We're not, you know, taking the tight end six ahead of, you know, legit top 24 wide receivers when we have the opportunity. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting to get Troutman, potentially Gerald Everett, and definitely my next and last player, Tennessee Titans tight end slash slot receiver, Anthony Ferkser. First of all, do not send me the unofficial Titans death chart that shows Ferkser not starting. Whatever PR intern put that together doesn't know what they're doing. Just look at the Jets' freaking death chart where my guy Chris Herndon is starting even though Cross been playing ahead of him on the first team for weeks. Michael Carter is not there. Like, these depth charts are such a joke, and we go over them again because there's nothing else to talk about here in the you know early parts of August, and it's just something that we shouldn't be paying much attention to. So please spare me that argument, and instead, let's look at Ferkser, who 26 years old, and they just haven't replaced the two guys that were holding him back last year. Number one tight end, Jonu Smith, and slot receiver, Adam Humphreys. So, again, I talked about uh, just Ferkser's role a lot in our podcast about tight ends that have wide receiver roles. Ferkser had 40 targets from the slot last year. Humphreys only had 25. Smith only had 20. Like, adding Julio Jones limits the upside a little bit. I get it. We're not looking at, you know, triple-digit targets or anything. But Jonu and Humphreys were not replaced. So that slot position is still wide open for Ferkser. Again, I have him as my tight end 13. He's going as a tight end 19. And when they signed Julio Jones, everyone just said, we're done with the situation. How would we have felt about Ferkser, though, if they just brought back Corey Davis and let Humphreys and Jonu walk? I think everyone would be a hell of a lot higher on Ferkser when you could argue that adding Julio in place of Corey Davis rises the upside for everybody involved in the offense anyway. So ultimately, the Titans, 12th most targets to tight ends, uh, fifth most touchdowns, number six overall in yards per route run at the tight end position over the past two years. They know how to enable this position. Anthony Ferkser is the guy expected to be the next great tight end for the Titans. Titans, Delaney Walker, Jonu Smith, plenty of examples over the years. ASAP Ferk Daddy going to be the next one. I want to thank you all as always for tuning in. PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Have a couple quick notes to get off my chest though. And first off, I just wanted to say that fantasy football season is here. And I want to give a shout out to our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is free fantasy football league managers, the most customizable, easy to use and feature rich platform in the entire industry. PFF is gearing up to play our leagues on Fantrax this season. If you come from another site that has no problem, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues completely free. Sign up and play now at Fantrax.com slash PFF and get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league. Make your league on Fantrax and then head out to a free Las Vegas Raiders game with your buddies. That's Fantrax.com slash PFF, the home of fantasy sports. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm going to get out of here, continue unpacking boxes in my new Cincinnati apartment. I was so pissed yesterday you know monday i'm recording this on tuesday it was monday my first you know real day here coming into the offices at pff wanted to get a good start had a radio hit like 7 30 a.m you know get that done and i said okay let's make some coffee you know do an article and i'll get to the office here in a bit 
I go and I find the box of my coffee maker in it. It's a nice one because I drink like a pot of coffee a day. I'm not quite Dan Campbell levels, but uh, getting there. And I go into the box, I see the coffee maker, and I pull out the, you know, coffee pot, the glass thing, to try to go put water in it to start the process of making my first batch of coffee in my new apartment. Starting a great day to be great. Vibes are positive. I drop the. Uh, glass it shattered all over my kitchen i found a shard of it like again like this morning i still need to figure out the rest of that pff lily was completely beside herself uh not knowing what was going on and now i need to buy a new uh coffee pot so i'm gonna worry about that and hopefully get things uh unpacked sooner rather than later so i don't continue to destroy all my prized possessions but anyway we'll make sure the podcast uh, continues to hopefully ball out in the meantime i'm ian harditz this has been the pff fantasy football podcast new episodes every single day throughout the offseason. Plenty more good ones here on the way. Please check out the team previews series I've been doing with Andrew Erickson if you haven't already. And I have a very special podcast coming up this Friday with the scores Justin Boone. We're going to go over the entire running back landscape, get you even more set for your fantasy drafts. So again, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.